Thank you for tuning in to Spiritual Debriefing, a podcast about Christian men living a Christian life in a very unchristian world. With your hosts, Daniel Meadows, Derek Fisher, Randy Bryson, Jed Harris, and Ray Taggart. Tonight's special guest is Mike Taylor. Welcome to Spiritual Debriefing. I am Daniel Meadows. Glad to be with you. What's up, Randy? What's up? I'm Randy. <laughs> nice to have you back, Randy. Hey, oh, I I know am I'm so glad you're back. I am glad. Yeah. yeah. I'm Jed. Hey, Jed. And I'm Mike. Mike is back. Mike. 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 Yeah. Mike, 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 Mike. Mike's in the house. <laughs> and I'm Derek. Hey, hey Derek. Hey, Rick. And of course, I'm over here with all the knobs and buttons, pretending like I know what I'm doing. So let's get this going. <laughs> oh, and before we go, I forgot last time, uh, please like, subscribe, share the podcast, leave us a comment. That actually works really, really well if you could do that, if you like what you're hearing. If you don't like what you're hearing, tell us what you don't like. We we'd like all feedback. So uh, share this around, get more people listening, and hopefully we can help some people out. All right. Now we can get to it. There we go, Daniel. Let's do it. Um, so we started talking about raising kids a little bit last week, kind of kicked that off, um, or two weeks ago, whatever, our last podcast. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to kind of continue that. We brought Mike back with us to help answer um, some questions. Some wisdom. We got some That's wisdom. That's what we need. I yes, be like Mike. wisdom from Mike. The old so. guy, yeah. <laughs> Mike, how many kids did you raise? Total 10, Ten. Um, had uh, eight children from my first uh, first marriage and then two uh, after uh, the divorce of 26 years. And uh, so we had to deal with split families. We had uh, my biological children and two stepchildren, uh, which makes it a unique situation in and of itself. Yeah. I know I have a few questions for you, but I mean, if anyone else has any questions, I mean, I know some of the split family thing is some questions as well, but you know, here's the one that I'm dealing with right now and let's see if you can help me with that, Mike. <clears throat> and this is the one because I'm having, I have a teenage daughter. She's a senior this year. So, uh, yeah, I need a lot of patience. <laughs> But here's the one that was recently, you know, they get so mad and they just say, you know, they you know, they, they react and say, you know, I hate you. I, you know, when I grow up and I, you know, when I get out of the house, I'm not talking to you no more. I hate you. You know, sometimes that hurts, you know, and I know recently that hurt my wife pretty good, you know, and Mike, I guess my question to you is, you know, I know you probably heard that before. Absolutely. And what do you think some of the, better reactions to that is you know I, as i was looking at these questions that you gave me and kind of getting an overview of what was taking place i got thinking about when my children said that to me mm -hmm. and i can say from past experience i didn't handle it as well as i should have as i matured in my christian walk i realized that it's what they're saying out of their mouth isn't really coming from their heart and so you had to kind of put that in perspective to realize that um, they're saying something from an emotion more so than from a, a truth. Mm -hmm. And so 
to be able to kind of process that and think that through and say, I know you love me. I know you don't like the decisions I've made. I know you don't appreciate the things that I'm trying to do for you. Um, but you're also, as a Christian parent, you have the responsibility to train your children the way they're supposed to be through the admoni admonition of the Lord. And so um, I read a quote from uh, Irma Bombeck, uh, who uh, had a daughter that told her the same thing. Mm -hmm. And the quote went, um, it says, I hurt when you say that, but love you enough to let you say it to me. Uh, mm. That's a good. Uh, and I just thought that was because as I was preparing and kind of thinking through this and uh, reached out to my own children to kind of get feedback of what I was a parent, how I was a parent when, when they were younger, uh, and they provided me some really good, insightful things, one of the things that they all said was that I demonstrated love for them even though the things I did, they didn't always appreciate. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like what Jesus does, I think. You know, because he always shows us his love all the time. He shows us the forgiveness. And, you know, and I think sometimes we get in battles with God, too, like, you know, we do with our kids like that. You know, I hate you, God. Why am I going through this right now? Why is, my, why is this so difficult? And I think sometimes we say those things and don't really mean it either. When we're talking to when we're talking to God, and you know when I, when I had a little time to reflect on that question, you know after I gave it to you, and really process, you know actually you know what my daughter said, and that's what really got to me was you know sometimes we have that relationship with Jesus and we, you know He still loves us and we get when we have to do that to our kids and you know I know we always heard you know sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt. Well, that's not true. no, that's not true. That's, that's not a, true at all. That's the biggest lie we could ever tell. It, it, it is, and you know, even with my wife being set back on that, like, man, that hurt. Like she was almost in tears, you know, and just like it, it hurt her pretty deep. I mean, because you, you're right, Mike. I mean, all the things that we do as parents, we we provide, we work, we you know, we try to give them the best life that we can, and we try to give them things that we didn't have as kids, and. You know, and sometimes that's a big mistake, and, you know, we'll touch on that later because that's where it really is my pet peeve right now on parenting. And and I've learned it through my past, too, as well as that, but we'll touch on that a little later. But I like that quote, Mike. I mean, it really does is when they say that, we got to show them that love. I love you enough that you can say that to me. You know, you can express your feelings, and I, but I know because I love you so much. That I know that's not coming from your heart. So the, I think the trick is then making sure that you don't change, you know, get angry and overreact right. when they hurt your feelings right. like that, because that's that's I think the, the the fine line to balance that many people have an issue with is the punishing and correcting, but not going so far where because if they can see that you're angry and you're showing your anger mm -hmm. when you're doing it, they're going to pin it on the anger and not even look at what did I do? What are the consequences? What are you actually saying? Right. So keeping your own level head is um, not an easy task. Mm -hmm. And all. that will be the thing they remember. That's one of the, the things that my oldest son, when he sent me uh, some reactions to some questions, I asked him, um, said the same thing, that, Dad, you sometimes reacted with anger. You, I know that you love me, but all I remembered is your actions, the things that you did. Those are the things that stuck in my head longer than the times that we tried to 
work through things. So you really do have to keep a calm uh, demeanor about it. Um, and as I told your wife, one of the things that we have to make sure that we use proper vocabulary sometimes when we say, instead of you hurt me, you say, you personalize it. I got hurt by what you said. Mm-hmm. Now, so you know you're not longer pointing fingers. You're not putting your children on the defensive. You're taking, you're just simply communicating your feelings. They don't have to. They don't have to like what you say, but they can't deny how you feel. But if you attack them, they have justification to attack back. Yeah. Now and they sometimes, do. sometimes you got to walk away though to, to calm your mind down, right? Before you come back to address that, especially after something like that, I would think that. You know, you got to go spend some time and pray first off to for some wisdom to speak back to your kids. But but essentially, I mean, just like an argument with anybody, you've got to step away for a moment. I think you also get kind of really uh, caught off guard uh, when you have a child that generally well behaved, does what they're supposed to do for the most part, and then just out of the blue that happens. You're right, Daniel. The very first thing you need to do is just kind of back away from it because if you react to it, you're probably going to react wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm working on right now is that reaction, you know, because my reaction is just, I mean, that fast and it's going zero to 60. That That's that background, though, that you came from. Mm-hmm. You know, as a cop, you reacted quick yeah. like that. But, yeah. but you need to step away, but you better get back to it pretty quick pretty too. quick yeah you, you yeah, don't I mean, step away and let it sit for a day you, you yeah. gotta get back to them as yeah as you because take a yeah they're, they're like I what mean, did i say to you i don't remember yeah. uh, what's on tiktok yeah you know yeah. <laughs> too fast yeah. <laughs> right let me slide this in here it says our children can be our greatest teacher if we're humbled enough to receive their lessons mm-hmm. oh you're absolutely right on that because i think about that all the time and i tell autumn that as well <clears throat> i learn a lot from both of them, Autumn and Wyatt. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, I, I learn a lot. And it teaches me, you know, I mean, right from the get-go, it teaches me patience. I mean, really, that's my biggest thing is that these kids have taught me w- w- is patience. And it kind of, and another thing that it really teaches me is forgiveness. And because, you know, you know I love them so much that it's easy for me to forgive them. And I sometimes go back to where, and I remind my wife this all the time. I says, we were the same age. You remember when we did this? You remember when we did that? (laughs) We were the same, we did the same things. And that's why it kind of gives us that little moment to go, okay, I understand. I forgive you. You know, that's where that's, those are the two important things that has taught me having kids is that patience and forgiveness. And we got to remember that we were forgiven first oh yeah we were stubborn enough to do that to our parents and then here it is on us now Mm -hmm. oh yeah that's what my parents always said too yeah the way you're acting you're gonna have twice as worse or you know whatever but yeah but i'd rather have a kid that come up and tell me what your daughter said than the one that thinks it and will not talk to you yeah right right that's how uh, because there there's no recovery from that yeah Mm -hmm. 12 years without my oldest daughter right yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I don't know if you yeah, wanted to bring that up or not. I'll bring it up. Uh, we was out to eat, going out to eat one day. We was all out, been doing something. And went through Chick-fil-A because she wanted to eat Chick-fil-A, and there's, we had six. So we pulled in, and, of course, they was busy, and I said, I'm not dealing with this. We've got to go on. we got to get somewhere. 
And it led from a fight over not getting to eat where she was to when I dropped her off with her mother. I had not, I, uh, she has not darkened my door in 12 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're right. Maybe it'd been better if you just said it to me. And I'm sure I didn't respond correctly in any <laughs> of the situations. I'm going to tell you, I did not, but I didn't have no, no way to go back and regroup. I didn't know exactly what she had on her mind or anything. Mm -hmm. So. Now, I know you yeah. told me recently, too, you got to talk to her a little bit here we're, and there. We're speaking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's nothing big. Uh, I was in the driveway one day talking to Haley, and she pulled in, and, of course, she referred to me as, Haley, tell your dad, and then she called me Jed and this and that, and I'm not dad, so, mm. but at least we're speaking. Right. There is a cordialness to it now, so. Yeah, and, and I'm, sure, I'm not saying you haven't done this, but those are those situations where hopefully you've extended the olive branch. You've said, I'm sorry for whatever I've done, and I'm ready to talk to you. Um, you know, I don't have a daughter that old yet, although I think I said it last time, but my daughter, when she was three, told me I ruined her whole life. So that, that <laughs> happened right on nice and early. Don't remember yeah. what I told her she couldn't do, but there was something. That was, Dad, you ruined my whole life. Oh, I just stomped off. <laughs> yeah. But of course, being the smart aleck I am, I came back with, well, that's because your life is so short. <laughs> but there was, there's lots of times that, I mean, I just didn't have that opportunity to even offer that olive branch. Because there was no communication or mm -hmm. sight or sound. Yeah, and then I think that, that brings up that forgiveness as well. It does. I mean, I know you probably have already forgiven for whatever. Oh, yeah. And you're just, here I am. I'm mm -hmm. here waiting for you. That's it. You know, and I think, and when we reflect back to this all the time and how Jesus was, I mean, how Jesus is, you know, he, it, it, we run from him. And then he's always still there waiting for us. That's, you know what right. I mean? And it just forgives us. And that I think he gives us the best best example to be a father. And circum you know, circumstances like that mm -hmm. is hey, I'm I'm here. I mean, we did have a right before Christmas, I I invited her over to my parents' house for our Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And she said, I would probably come, but we're going out of town with her now fiance. So mm -hmm. and then, it just takes some growth. Sometimes uh, it it takes uh, for them to get away for a while and to be able to, to come back where they need to be. And, you know, we, with our lack of patience, we want it to happen overnight. Uh, but just the conversation that you're having with her and, and just staying in touch with her, knowing that she's welcome to be part of the family, her life is about to change. You just mm -hmm. said she's got a fiancé. Uh, a lot of times that changes the whole attitude of, of you know, the of where they're at and they're thinking. And yeah. so uh, he may, he may see the need for reaching out to your family and helping to bring her back. And so it's just being patient staying in contact with her. If you send cards or whatever to your other, the other children, then just go ahead and uh, continue to do the same thing with her. Mm -hmm. um, just to know that she's just as equal as all the rest of the children. And just don't forget her that way. Yep. Yeah. We we sent cards all them years, birthday flowers and all that, just just like the rest of them all the way through. That's good. Mm-hmm. I think this runs in the situation here that we've all been in. It says you, 
you spend years wishing your parents would get off your back to only realize they're the only ones that really had your back. <laughs> That's <laughs> very true. <laughs> so, I mean, it, at the end of the day, we could sit here and say, we hate you. We won't go on. Mm-hmm. You know? But once they get that first taste of living, they're going to realize how much stability they had. Right. Right. I got another, I got another question for you, Mike. This is another one that I'm dealing with. And if you all have anything that you're dealing with, I mean, I mean, speak right in, but that's not, I have, you know, it's always coming back to the teenage daughter, but you know, but right now it's the teenage daughter and the mother, you know, arguing all the time, right? They get into these little battles and as the dad, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to. I don't know to be the referee on this little, you know, episode, but sometimes I sit back and just let them battle it too. I don't know what the proper way is, Mike. I don't know if you you probably dealt with that many times, but, uh, you know, looking for a little wisdom there. I've gotten in trouble over this same very issue many times, but, um, to put it as bluntly as I could put it. Yeah. I put both of them in timeout. Yeah, yeah, because we get in trouble for picking sides yeah. sometimes. And just, I literally, it's like you all just need to split. Mm-hmm. Kind of what Daniel said earlier. You can't deal with it. You're you're dealing with the emotions. You need to split. You go there. You go there. And when you're ready to come talk, we can come back together again. And I know it doesn't always work, right? But it does work sometimes. Your spouse will get mad at you. Your child will get mad at you. But it's the best thing because something's going to be said if they're in the heat of the moment and they're barking at one another. Something's going to be said that isn't meant. I hate you, whatever. Those kind of comments are going to come out. It's just going to in, um, infuriate whoever receives that insult or whatever. So really the best thing you can do is, as, as a husband is to say, you just need to split apart. Almost to the point where you stand between them and say, I don't want to listen to it. Y'all go. Away. Right. Yeah. I've done that too. Yeah. 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 I don't know go. about you guys. Have you guys dealt with that? I usually, when it gets to Daniel's me, over there shaking his head. No. no. I wonder, why not? I haven't. Usually I allow the two to speak their minds, but when it crosses a disrespectful line from a daughter to a mother, oh, yeah. that's yeah. when I step in. Because that's... the way it is around our house, right or wrong, I don't want any feelings left hanging in the balance. You say it to my face, we'll deal with it. Right or wrong, get it out, be done, move on with life. And so far we've had a pretty decent relationship about that with with the oldest and Hannah. She's she's just mouthy all the way around. But where'd she get that from? <laughs> both of us. Oh. <laughs> but at, at, at the end of the day, mine's about to be 16. So, I mean, not too far behind yours. And I'm waiting for those days, you know, coming, you know, listening to you thinking, oh, it's coming. Soon. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we have plenty of arguments. But as soon as you cross a disrespectful line, that's when Dad jumps in. Yeah. I've done that too. Yeah. Because at, at, at the point, those two need to just get it done. And if things need to be said, things need to be said. And I don't really want to take the authority away from my wife whenever it's their conversation. But then when it comes to a point where it's you're disrespecting and you're still a child, 
I'm going to treat you like one now, you know, right. type situation. You know, I say to my kids all the time too, I says, I don't talk to your mother that way. Yeah. And you don't need to talk to her that way either. Exactly. You know, same, same. Scenario. It's the same respect exactly. factor. Mm-hmm. Don't what like, about you? I haven't had much, but if it is, it's kind of like what Randy said. It's the disrespect factor. You just kind of sit back and when something crosses the line, that's when I bail in. But, mm-hmm. and they don't get there very often. But I do see one thing that might be dangerous for you, Derek. You and Autumn are a lot alike, so when you start... I hear, I hear that a lot, and I don't agree to that. <laughs> uh, you oh, are. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know what? That's funny. You want to bring so, that up right now is that me and my dad, we're, we're like each other, too. But when we battled, I mean, we battled, you know, growing up. And now I have a great relationship with my dad. Yep. You know, I talk to him all the time, go and visit. I mean, just a good relationship now. And I think a lot of that, too, was, you know, it was my fault. And I think, Mike, you're right, because when when we grow up and we mature a little bit more and we realize that, you know, our parents did the best that they could do mm-hmm. at the time of what they were doing. And they didn't, we had a roof over our head, we had meals, we had this, you know, we, we were thankful for a lot of things that we take for granted. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what hit me too is, you know, as being a, being a cop and you got to see some of the parents on how they treated their kids. You get to see the households that they were raised in. And that job really just humbled me. And go, man, I, I am thankful for everything that I, I do have. I, I am thankful for the parents that I've had. You know, and, and it's unfortunate, you know, my mom passed away when she was 42. Um, you know, she got to see Autumn get born, and then, you know, that was it. <clears throat> but looking back now, you know, I, mean, I had a great family. You know, and I think that sometimes, too, that I have to look at Autumn as well. When we battle, I'm like, man, it's like me and my dad. <laughs> and it's because we're alike. Yeah. I mean, we're stubborn. We're hard-headed. And, and you know, no, I'm right. No, you're right. You know, I don't know. but <laughs> You're but both I, right in your we're own both, ways. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think you hit the nail on the head right there, too, is we finally get to a point where we're maturing better. Mm-hmm. And they're getting to a point where they're just starting. Right. So we don't see eye to eye anymore. Right. It's one of those deals that, why is this so hard? Oh, yeah, I'm 20 years older than you. I'm sorry, but, you know, you need to have common sense. (laughs) But I'm going to share a a comment uh, from my oldest son, who will turn 44 uh, in February, kind of dealing with the same issue. And this is what he wrote to me as I got a response. He says, always siding with mom as soon as you got home without, in my opinion, getting the whole side of the story was wrong. I understand the importance of a unified front, but sometimes you don't take the time to listen to me and you automatically take mom's side and I'm always at fault. And he says, and I blame you for that. Mm. Hmm. That's a tough one. And I'm dealing with that right now too, because Autumn's the same way. She goes, you don't listen to me. You don't hear my side of the story. I do the same thing you're doing uh, that you did, Mike, is, you know, I have crystals back, you know, I'm like, you're 16, you don't know the world, right? But, you know, maybe we might have a repercussion on that. Yeah, because he later says uh, in his notice that I'm not perfect, uh, he said, but some of the things that happened in the past, I've forgiven them all, I've set them all aside, uh, but you always need to remember that I can forget those small things but some of the issues that you took against me 
are long lasting. He said, they're still there. He said, I've forgiven you, but they don't go away. Mm. And so I know, you know, sometimes trying to get a teenager, regardless girl or whatever, right. to get into an honest conversation because they don't want to uh, put their guard down because they're talking to an adult, they're talking to a parent and they feel they're already on the defensive anyway. And most of the time, as dads especially, we oftentimes want to fix things. And so when they start to share what they're, what's really happening, we hear things we don't like to hear and we want to react to those. And that's not what they want to hear. They just want you to have two ears and no mouth. Right, right. And their delivery system is not the way that we want to hear it. Absolutely. You're right. <laughs> You're right. They're on their defensive, and yeah. the way they want you to listen, and, and we're not ready for that. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. let me ask you this, Mike. If he says that in response, um, how would the story be different from your wife's compared to his? And how would that change the situation? And it, it, let me this is because usually if I come home and I get told that something happened, I usually ask them their side in front of their mom and either she corrects the story or they tell me exactly what she said. So but, how's but, it different on your side? here? But your daughter's already on the defensive because she's going to present her case and there's already a prosecuting attorney ready to um, uh, overcome everything that's said. If you're going to have that conversation, you need to go have a conversation separate. Find out the story. Find out the wife's story. Because as you all know, your policemen, eyewitnesses, see different things, hear different things, have different perspectives. And so to get your child's perspective, your wife's perspective, and yes, you have to support your wife. But sometimes, believe it or not, wives are just flat out wrong. Did I oh, say that one? never. <laughs> <laughs> bum, bum, bum. That was Mike. <laughs> Some of these guys' wives listened to the podcast. Uh, and they thought I was bringing wisdom. <laughs> but do you think if you did that and the stories were the same, would the punishment be any different? I don't think you interrupt your wife. I mean, that you can't. You yeah. could, I, that's what I was just going to say. Is if I, my daughter said that, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to listen to you, but I'll tell you right now, your mom laid down the punishment or told you what's happening. That's happening regardless. Exactly. That's yeah. what's happening. Yeah. You got to keep that unified front. Uh, exactly. Gotta, I'm just, but, yeah. but you got to make sure that the discipline and I really don't like the term punishment, but the, the discipline that you use has to be appropriate to the crime. Exactly. And the other thing that I read as I was preparing, uh, is the, the act, is it a poor choice or is it a deliberate act? And we we sometimes think, well, you didn't get well. We automatically accuse them of something they did deliberately, when it could very well have been something that just happened, and we don't take it that way. So that's why I say you get the story from their perspective, and then you say, well, now I know you were told this was the direction. You had clear. You're old enough to understand. Now you can understand what the consequences are. But exactly. There's a law for that. I don't remember who, whose law it is, but it's the, you know, don't attribute to malice what is more often attributed to stupidity. Yes. <laughs> Good quote. Well, let me ask you, Mike, though, like your son right now, now that he wrote that, does he have kids? Yes, he's got two. 
Now, do you, do you, does he do? Now, does he listen to his kids' story now? Well, the the irony is, um, he's dealing with um, the same kinds of things that he did with his younger brother, uh, and, and his two children are dealing with the same thing. And as I watch them, I don't get to interact with them much because they're in Florida, but I, I I get to watch his choices and some of the things that, honestly, some of the things that he claims that we did as parents to him as the oldest child he sometimes is doing to his own now he, he recognizes that and he's trying to fix that but it's just a, a, a I guess it's genetic because he's doing the kind of the same kinds of things and uh, Ann and I kind of sit back and watch as he's raising children we're kind of thinking kind of assessing and saying hmm this looks familiar. <laughs> right, right, right. It's yeah. effective. Is it working? <laughs> yeah. You sit back and go, don't do that. Right. <laughs> it, it's kind of it's kind of eerie to some extent to watch him watch his two children raise his two children, living through the same things that he would oftentimes complain to us about that we were doing to him because he was the oldest, and um, so. I think he's trying to learn from it, but I, I see I see some a lot of tra- I guess I trained him well to be a a, a poor parent in some cases. <laughs> <laughs> if it, if it works, don't don't break. If it's just, not yeah. broken, don't, don't fix I was it. Just gonna say it, 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 it must have worked in some way. Yeah. Right, and then, well, and sometimes we can kind of reverse it as well. Is that some things that we were raised with, we want to change in the process of doing that. You know, we can we can even talk about like punishment. You know, like I, I <laughs> me growing up, I had the rod, man. You know, the belt, the paddle. I mean, all of it. And you know, we've kind of changed that a little bit in our family. You know, I, I you know, we still give spankings, um, but never have brought out the belt. Have never brought out the paddle. You know, anything like that. And that was something that I wanted to change. That I got brought up in. You know. Was it effective? You know, I don't know. I mean, so far, I mean, they're they're decently well-behaved kids for the most part. But, you know, we can bring up that just like that. You know, you didn't hear my side of the story. Well, you know, me growing up as a kid now, as being an adult and having children of my own, I wanted to change a little, you know, a little bit than what I, what I got brought up in. Um, I, I'd say there's no wrong or right way to parent right mike no there's no i haven't found an instruction manual other than scripture i think there's like you know seven thousand books on parenting but they're all different different. i guarantee you there's a wrong way but (laughs) (laughs) right well i've seen that right Uh, i've seen that i'll go with that yeah this quote this quote here says everyone knows how to raise a child except for the person who has them yes (laughs) (laughs) you know know, we probably agree with you on that god yeah (laughs) he deals with all of us i mean honestly he given us pretty darn clear instructions and we don't seem to get that either so mm-hmm. and the other part of that says 90 percent of the parents is just thinking about when they can lie down again <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> I, I actually read an article about my, my my children used to refer to me as the iron hand uh, when i spanked them they said i must have had an iron hand but the article i read said that you should use something like a a fly swatter or a spatula because it detaches you from the punishment that that they they can connect in in later years the instrument you're using versus 
you physically touching your child. I don't know how valid that is, but I thought that was kind of an interesting concept. Yeah, because if you bring that up to like animal training, you know, yeah. You're, yeah. you're using different yeah. things, a hot stick and the, and the whips and yeah. everything else. And then when you have that in their hand, they're already tensed up and going, oh, That's I know it's coming. coming. You, you watch a dog that you've hit with your hat a few times, you know, anytime you adjust your hat, now they're like right. cowering down. And Well, when that's out of your hand and you have that, you yeah. lost that connection. Uh, yeah. You're right. You, I mean, you're, there's probably some truth, some in, truth that. in that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. What about you boys? You got any questions for I, Mike? I think the biggest question I have, um, cause you have an adopted child, right? Yes. Yes. Um, how, how is, cause that's something me and my wife have looked into since we can't, um, have our own. And, and so how is raising an adopted child different than raising your own? Well, I have to clarify my adopted child is a special needs child. He was a, a shaken baby and had severe brain damage uh, as early as five weeks old. And so he's been cortically blind and fed through a stomach tube for years. But we, uh, we, we also were foster parents and we had a couple of foster children, which uh, although they went back home, um, dealing with an adopted child is just you just take ownership. They're, they're your children. Uh, it's something that's so needed in our in our society today. There's such a such a demand for it, um, and to be able to take a child uh, and just love on them and show them Christ's love. You know, one of the questions that Derek talked about was, um, "What do you do at the beginning of of raising children?" And so, when you get a if you were able to adopt or you choose to adopt, and you got a, a, a younger child you have a great ability to establish the scriptural blueprints that they need. I just remember when our children were small, there used to be a, a cartoon series called Adventures of Odyssey. Uh, there's like 700 episodes, and we watched those all the time, and we had some scripture um, memorization uh, stories called GT and the Halo Express, and there was like 12 uh, scripture verses. And so being able to bring a, a, a child into your home uh, makes, obviously helps build that character for that child. Um, but once they're yours, Daniel is ours. We don't refer to him as an adopted child. He's our, he's our kid. Right. Um, uh, little Elizabeth that was in our home for a while as a foster child, she was our kid. The kids didn't refer to him as a, an adopted child. I sometimes do now just kind of because people say, well, how many kids you have? And I kind of go through the whole process. But um, a child's a child, and they just need parents. So, so how do you – because most of them in the foster and adoption uh, background area there had come from messed up homes. How do you break through that barrier? Love. Love overcomes all. I, I'm convinced of that, that although they may have, you know, if you're getting a three or four year old or whatever, uh, that's come from a bad environment and they may have been in a drug environment over the course of time, your love and the way you care for them and the way you protect them and watch over them, you'll win them over. That's how God over that brought us, you know, his love for us brought us to him. Um, we didn't deserve the love, but he kept showing it to us anyway. And I, I'm just a, I'm, I'm just convinced as a parent, the best thing you can do 
as sincerely as you can is to show the kind of love. And that is for guys to let down our guards to be loving dads, not disciplined dads, not the um, we homeschooled. And so I was always referred to as the principal. Um, so I was the authoritarian a lot of times, and I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to be the loving dad because a couple of my children, as they responded back to me, remember the time I spent with them at the ball field on the soccer field, defending them at school for a teacher with uh, giving them a hard time or whatever. Um, and they saw that as loving them enough to care for them. And so I really believe that this, um, even though they're going to come with, with baggage, love's going to overcome all that. It's that love and that relationship that you have, you know. And even we can even bring it to stepchildren, too, as well, um, because, you know, when my mom and my dad got married, I was in I was three years old. All right. So my dad brought me in as his own. And really, you know, growing up, didn't really blink an eye and didn't say, hey, this is my stepson. You know, he's always referred to, hey, this is my son. And it's funny because if you meet my dad, we look like each other. We act like each other, and we're not blood related. But you know, I think I think Mike hits that on the on the head is that love, and I think you know really most important too that I've looked back on raising kids is building that relationship with your child, going to go do those things, going to the ball field, being tired, taking them to practice. You know, uh, just this Monday, you know, just took Autumn up here to the. Uh, to ride her horse. I didn't feel like doing it. I really didn't. It was cold and I didn't want to do it. But it's those times that you have to, that they're going to remember, I think as children, is when you're there and you're showing that love and you're building that relationship, those are the memories that they're going to remember. You know, doing those things that you don't want to do, but they want to do it, we have to do it. I mean. Again, that's exactly what my son said here and said, um, you didn't really seem to try to connect with us on the things that we were interested in. And for him, it was like reading Legos, video games. Uh, he said, as an adult, you're now trying to get back into that, my, that part of my world, but you didn't seem to take the time at the... He said, I, don't think, I didn't think about it at the time, but I kind of do a reflection. You just didn't want to make that commitment to get involved with some of the things that... Mm. I wasn't interested in. Right. I'm not a video game. Yeah, me person. neither. I, I uh, play video games with Wyatt yeah. all the time. I'm. I don't uh, like them. Yeah. Uh, but that's what he said. He's, he remembers that 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 you, that lack of connectedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so doing the things with your kids, even when you don't want to. And it's and it's hard to split that time up as well. I mean, yeah, I know y'all have more kids, but just with the two, they're two separate people. You know, and you know that, like, you know, why it's into that, the Legos, the video games, um, the tech world, Nerf guns, Nerf guns, <laughs> you know, you know, all that stuff. And then Autumn's in a whole different other world. And I have to learn that as a parent. That's what I'm really learning right now is where do I split my time up in between, not just showing favoritism to one. Um, and that's the same thing is, you know, for example, you know, me and White are building a goat cart. Um, and the only time we have to work on it is late at night. And I don't want to go in the shop. I don't want to do this, but <laughs> I know he wants to. He bought, you know, some of the stuff he's using his money to buy parts. So it's like, 
Okay, you know, you've you've you spent your money to do this. I'm going to show the time and the effort. Let's do this together. In the video games, I'm with you on that, Mike. I mean, some of those games are way too fast for me. And you play the Call of Duty, I'm like, I'm already dead. Yeah. Like I didn't even play. You know, I'm, I just it, respawned. Yeah, this just, I just had this happen. You know, but it's those things that I, I do. I mean, even <laughs> when we go to the church camps, even when we go do yeah. things with them, it's me being out there and involved and doing those things with them. And I, and I really think that, you know, that they're going to remember those moments. Yeah, you got to remember, I was brought up on Pong. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Atari? Okay. That, that game might be Derek's speed. But. Right. Yeah. You're right. I'm going to sneak this in before we change subjects here. But the game is not having the children. It's the discovery of love and how to be loved. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and actually, I have a Bible verse that is it's for the children to hear. But parents, I mean, maybe you can work this one into Bible study. But Proverbs 1, 8 through 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Right? So, again, that's something that if I, as, as a child, I wish I would have understood that verse because it means it makes so much more sense now as an adult. And it's like, yeah, I, you know, they're just trying to, we're trying to help. We're trying to say, we made these mistakes. I know what you're doing. I know where it's going to lead you. But no matter how many times we try to tell them, they don't listen. Right. And, and that's right, huh? That is right. <laughs> it's, and, and it's, I try to tell that even at, at the age my daughter is, she's eight. And I try to tell her, I'm like, listen, I know, I, I know exactly. I, was, I did it. I, I said it. I thought it. I was in the exact same place you were. Granted, different stuff. That's always twist, twists to it. But I, I'm just trying to help. But also, at the same time, part of me is saying, it's like, well, you know, I still did the mistakes. And I had to learn the hard way. And that's sometimes how you just got to learn. There's, there's that, that level. I'm not saying you don't discipline your children. But you got to almost... You gotta let them scuff their knees sometimes. You gotta let them do something stupid every now and again. And, right. and you know toughen them up. I think it was Jordan Peterson said that's one of the biggest issues with the, a lot of kids today is that the parents didn't let them, didn't let them go break an arm. I mean, you know, like that's just what you got to do sometimes to, to learn. Okay. Well, I'm not going to do that again. There's some of them that that's the only way they're going to learn. Yeah. And the other ones you can just kind of nudge along and they'll be fine. But so I think I got another question for you, Mike. Um, I know, I don't know. Some of our listeners may have, Uh, kids with special needs and working in the school system um uh, working in the school system part of my time was spent in uh, the self-contained classroom with special needs kids and what is that struggle like is that a struggle is that a challenge to to raise a kid with special needs or it was for daniel because he had such great needs that we were actually homeschooling uh, the, the the four oldest uh, children, uh, and then we adopted or brought Daniel into the house. And he initially came in as foster care. Um, he had to go to occupational therapy, physical therapy, um, and the closest place was an hour away. So uh, it required my first wife to take him to those meetings all the time, which then either the Initially, the kids would hop in the van and do homeschooling in the car there, but it got to the point where the kids sometimes saw that 
they were getting cheated out of time because of so much effort that we had for Daniel. But that was at the initial stage. Eventually, um, they came to be helpers. They came to be um, almost caretakers some, to some extent. We never wanted our children to have to babysit the other children. It wasn't their job. Uh, we as parents had the children. It was our responsibility to take care of them. Uh, one of the things that I've seen as a teacher now, we have 10, 11-year-olds that are babysitting their three- and four-year-olds at, at home. Uh, but I think my children really appreciated un and understood special needs kids. So when they saw them elsewhere, they seemed to have a compassionate heart, uh, a better understanding. So I think in that, in that regard, I think it was probably the most positive thing for our family, for, our, for the children, to be able to be around a special needs child and know what kind of care. And I know that they saw the love that we shared with Daniel because he, I mean, even to this day, he's born in 91, so however old that is. Um, I mean, still. He, he would be 31, 32. Okay. I'll be 33 in March, born in 90. So. And, and so, I mean, he's still. He's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's still. He's still in. He's still in diapers. He may. He's still. Um, he hasn't progressed any. He he just no. is a, a, a giant baby, but the kids still love him. What can you give encouragement to parents? that may have special needs kids like the ones, cause I see parents all the time that they're at their wits end, um, with some of their kids, uh, special needs kids cause of behavior issues or like you said, having to take them to OT, PT, speech, every therapy that they can possibly go to. Is there encouragement and can you give encouragement to those parents? Well, I think that the, I think the key is that, there's always hope that um, those children are always going to be taken care of somehow. Uh, I don't understand. I, I don't can't quite understand somebody being able to deal with that without the Lord, uh, without getting the strength from the Lord, because it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. Um, and you get that kind of security, that peace from um Every once in a while, just getting away and just praying about this situation because it's tough. Uh, there was some times where trying to take care of Daniel, trying to go on vacation, and trying to figure out how to fit in the wheelchair. The da, 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 da. Um, and and in some cases, we couldn't go certain places because of them, and the children knew that. Um, and I know there were some times where they were upset, but to know that it's still their child and. I know some have mental issues and hard to deal with. And without going into a whole lot of detail, as I subbed today, there was a little fella in one of the classrooms that um, was started off this morning with a really bad day. And uh, uh, he saw me in the hallway um, and he came over and hugged, the, hugged me to get away from the, the aide that was with him because he didn't want to be with uh, and, and I've dealt with the little boy before. Um, they just want love. Again, I, I, it, it's tough. And, and it does cause sometimes marital issues. Um, when we first adopted Daniel, when we first took Daniel in, um, I, was not, I was not on board. Uh, I, we had enough children at the time. And 
taking on a special needs child was not uh, in my uh, in my plans. But as we grew, uh, I think it strengthened strengthened the, the the family as a whole. So it is tough. Uh, well, and it's hard because they communicate in their own way. Yes. Uh, whether they're whether they're verbal or nonverbal, um, you know, I think I think of of kids that I work with daily doing PE, and and some of them are, are verbal, but they're special needs. Um, and they just they try to communicate, but people don't understand their feelings. And I think that's why sometimes people get frustrated. Maybe parents, especially as their kids are young, you know, kindergarten, first, second grade. Um, I think back to when I was in the self-contained classroom and I remember watching a parent sit down just crying in the middle of our classroom not knowing what to do with their kid because she just couldn't understand his communication at that time. You know, and and that's a struggle. Um, And I think that would be, I mean, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but would that be the same for any kid, whether special needs or not? They all communicate no, you're right. They in do. a different way, and you have to learn how to communicate with them. But you know how that communication comes is that love. Yeah. Because when you have that relationship and that love for that child, you know how they're communicating to you. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I feel that way too. Um, you know, sometimes I'll bring this up as well. I don't want to change the subject, but it's on my mind right now. But, yeah. you know, sometimes people misunderstand why it sometimes right yeah i mean i know he's a spaz sometimes he's you know just is it but if you really know why it you know he's all about love oh yeah he loves people you know and you can feel that and i know that as a parent because i have that relationship with him and i know how he is every day and i know that he loves people and sometimes people misunderstand him Sometimes you know, just the way he communicates. I'm guilty. Yeah, I was. I mean, when I first, when you first came to the church, and I was working in the children's department, mm-hmm. I saw why it is a challenge. Right. But now I love him to death. Right. I mean, and that's what he is, and he'll show that love right back yeah, to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and he's got a huge heart. Right. And that's where sometimes, as, as as us as parents, we have to know that, and you know when he'd get in trouble with teachers or this or that. And you're like, really? Wyatt? Come on. You know, but when you, when I know him now, now he's 13 now, you know, and now sometimes if he does get in trouble, it's not always Wyatt, what did you do? And it's like, okay, let's hear, let's hear the whole story and let's see what, what they thought, what was, what was their interpretation of your action? Yeah. Um, so but I think that really goes back to really knowing your child, really knowing, you know, even special needs, you know, because he has speech, you know, he goes to speech all the time and tries to help better with his speech. And, um, and so it's just really know it's just really knowing your child. I think it's, I think that's the true key. I think that's, again, as I was preparing for this, we talk about the character of our child and, mm-hmm. we, and, we, and it's our responsibility to develop that character. That they're going to have their own personality. And once that character has been developed and you understand it, then they've earned your trust. And so as you get stories from teachers, you get stories from whomever, uh, and uh, and you have to give the child the opportunity to be able to present their case. Because when it's things that, 
are out of the norm. And same thing happened with a couple of my older children. My oldest one graduated valedictorian, was a straight A student, da, 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 da. But there was a couple of issues at school that were completely out of character, at least what was a, a accused of. Uh, and so I went to the school with the full understanding that that's not Timothy, that's not my son. And as I find out, find out the whole story, then I find out that really it was an issue with the teacher uh, and a personality thing. But, it, but I had to trust Timothy. I didn't go in there and say, what do we need to do to fix Timothy? I went in there to say, what do we need to do to fix this situation? Right. Because it doesn't sound like my son. Yeah, and we hear that. And I heard that all the times on the streets as well, right? I mean, you hear that. My kid doesn't lie. Yeah. My kid, I know my kid, they don't lie. Well, we can reverse that and say, yes, they do. You know, sometimes we know that they do. But as us, as parents, we really got to know that, our, our, our children. We really need to know their character. And sometimes Autumn got in trouble too. You know, my first instinct was, no, she didn't. She didn't do that. But then I sit back and kind of think, you know, just a couple minutes. And I'm like, okay, now what did she do? Or what did he do? Or, you know, what'd they, what'd they do? Um, so I, I don't know where I'm going with it, but I really, I, I just really think it's really important. And, I, and, we, and I, I'm glad that I do have a good relationship with my kids and know them and really know their personality. Because they're two different personalities. But that's where you <laughs> take that time to spend individual with them. Right. To break it down. You're lucky you got two. I've had six. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you really have to break out time. I mean, you have to say, okay, this day uh, I'm doing something with right. this one. And right. And you have to. You have yeah. to. Yep. Because you have to get rid of your selfishness, I think. Because sometimes as well, like I'm... I sit back and be like, man, I want to do this, and I want to go hunting, and I want to go fishing, and I want to go do this. When is there time for me? Mm -hmm. I think there is an important time for you, but I think it's a very, very fine line because right now in their childhood development, it's very important to be involved in their life. Yeah, right. Fair. You're going you're gonna to have time later. Right. You will, and you can't make – that's the one thing I'm working on still, and I mentioned it even last last podcast is, is – realizing when it's the time to put aside what I want to do and do and spend that time with my daughter and build that relationship. It's the same thing that we're called to do with God and Jesus is take time. And if you don't do it on almost just a daily basis, even mm -hmm. just a little bit, right. right? It doesn't have to be anything major, but even just a tiny bit of time to actually sit and listen or sit and talk, you won't have that, that relationship, I think is the key word that I wanted to, to target on that you were saying, because that's how you understand how they communicate. That's mm -hmm. how you understand how what might actually be happening elsewhere based on other interactions with other people. And then going and not just in the home. You have to be, you know, going to the sporting events or going to the things that they're doing with other people and seeing what's actually happening there. Because I think far too often, um, as, as I know we've heard people say about the church, as they look at church as almost like a babysitting type situation. Mm -hmm. They just take the kid, drop the kid off at church, and don't pay any attention to what's happening. And they're missing out on opportunities to, to get a relationship with their child, to see what the child's doing, to, to see how, again, how they're interacting with other people and friends and not friends. That's just as important, too, is, is how bad situations can go. And those are all little things that 
I keep telling myself I'm going to do, but I keep continually missing the opportunities. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh man, I don't know why I was, you know, didn't just say, yeah, I'll drop whatever I'm doing right now. It's it's important, but it's not as important. And right. you know, just just this couple days ago, Harmony, in the morning, it's like 7:30 in the morning, and I'm trying to get ready and make breakfast and do all this stuff. And Harmony's got all her stuff on. She's like, I'm going out. We're going to build a snowman. Come on. I'm like, I got too much to do. I can't build a snowman this morning. <laughs> There's just so much going on. And she went out and she tried to build one by herself and she built a little one. And I'll, when I was done and I'm like, should have just gone out there. I mean, it would have been fine if there was some extra dishes in the sink and a couple extra things. <laughs> right. Should have yeah. just gone and built a darn snowman. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and this is funny for me having, uh, what well, kind of makes my day is uh, a lot of times I get to pick up Wyatt from school, and that is it's kind of fun. I mean, yeah. I enjoy it now. You know, at first I'm like, I don't want to wait here. I have to get here like 20 <laughs> minutes ahead of time so I can miss the buses, I can miss this traffic, I can find a parking spot. You know, and it was stressful at first, but now I'm like, okay, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. <laughs> you know, they, you know, Wyatt's running up, going, oh yeah, and then you know, do fist bumps and like, man, how was your day? Oh yeah. my, you know, Wyatt's always my day is fantastic. You know, and. <laughs> Uh, he's just, it's just kind of fun. He's always positive. He's always positive. I just, I think back, um, to growing up and, you know, real recent, my dad told me, he said, he said, do you know what my favorite times with you were? I said, no dad, watching me come win ball, you know, coming to watch us win ball games, whatever he goes, I enjoyed watching you play and and win. He said, but my favorite times were when we went away for the weekend at deer camp Mm -hmm. and we didn't kill a single thing except for spending time together. And I was like, oh. Those were good times. And they were good times. Those, that, that's so much better than looking up in the stands and seeing him at a sporting event. Right. But it was the the quality time quality. that we spent that I was like, oh, those are great. And, and working um, car duty at school, I see so much quality time that parents miss out on. Because mm-hmm. uh, they'd rather be attached to their phones um, than, than do like you and talk to their kids. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's the struggle that I had with four of mine. I only had them every other weekend and about two hours on a Wednesday night. So I really had to make sacrifices in a short period of time and to hit each kid. Yeah. Teaches you the importance of it. It does. Yeah. And I, I seen real quick that I had to do it and made it a priority. It had to be a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had yeah. the same situation after the divorce, and we had uh, four the same, and and they came up from Florida to here to visit and trying to figure out places to plug them all in and find activities for them to, to be able to, to plug in. It's tough, and it's a – fortunately, it was during the summer. Being a teacher, I had time off. Time so off. made it a little bit easier, obviously, to be able to, to spend time with them. But um, – one of the things that my other son, uh, Stephen, had writ- wrote me back about uh, childhood that really kind of makes an impact to me now and didn't really think about it. He said that there was always so much going on in the house and there was so much activity going on. He said that we didn't really seem to ever really connect as a family. And as a result of not being able to connect as a family, he said now... We all live within 15 minutes of one another, and the only time we see each other is on the holidays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That that's was kind of eye-opening. I always thought, you know, we got the kids were always playing with one another, and they, you know, they were all running from, running around the house. Mm-hmm. 
but obviously they didn't see the connection with the parents, with, with my first wife and I, connecting with them while they're at the house. I, mean, I, I was a sports guy. My oldest son is not a sports guy other than playing soccer. He's the video guy. Um, and I tried to bring him to the ballpark. He didn't like it, so he kind of quit the sports thing. So I just was at the ballpark all the time with my other children who liked it, and I spent a lot of time with them um, at the expense of not being with some of the other kids as much mm -hmm. as I should have been. This one here about fell off my list here, but since you guys brought it up, because it works real good here, it says, <laughs> the relationship you have with your children shapes the structure and function of their brain. It, and it, that, that happens at all stages of life. I know yep. most people say, and it's yeah. true, the very, very beginning is incredibly important. Like those first three, four years, that's like you're building your foundation of your house. And if you mess that up, your house is going to be in tough yeah. shape for a while. You can still recover. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you got work to do. But that, that's, and I, I think a point to remember too is it doesn't always have to be what they want to do. Because no, yeah. something, Dan, what you were just saying, Daniel, tell them, you know, what your dad was talking about. You know, I don't, I, my father passed away, uh, you know, almost 10 years ago now, actually over 10 years ago now. And, and with his health too, he wasn't, even for the 20 some years, he wasn't as what most people would see like a traditional father. You know, I had to almost be more the father to him. You know, when I was a teenager, I was shaving him because he couldn't shave himself. Like that's a totally flip dynamic. But what I remember, one of the fond memories that just popped into my head was um, you know the Minnesota State Fair? It's this big event. You know it's huge. It's one of the bigger ones in the in the country. Not the biggest, but it's a big one. And one of the things he did every single year, the first day of the fair, he would take the day off of work. I think it opened on a Thursday, so he'd take the day off work. We'd get up to the fair at like 6 a.m. because he wanted to be up there to see you know the cattle coming in and all the farm stuff. And because he was a farmer, he wanted to see all that. And he'd drag me and my brother, and kids don't like getting up at 6 a.m. and going into the town to go to the fair, but sitting down and having breakfast at the, you know, whatever breakfast place with all the farmers and all that type of stuff and just connecting with him. It's called a cafe. Yeah, probably is. <laughs> I don't know what y'all called it up there, but it's cafe. Cafe, cafe, cafe around was. here. No. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Because, um, again, I was too young to even remember exactly what the place was. But, you know, it's, it yeah. was at the fair. It's the only place open. And it's all the people who are, like, the, the bones of the fair are there having breakfast at that point. There's, there's none of the crowds. There's none of the other people. None of the tourists are there. And, you know, just seeing – just I, again, I just – remember those times and it, it wasn't something i wanted to do it was something he wanted to do and then we'd spend the entire day at the fair you know doing all the fun stuff and all the rest of it as well but i remember the breakfasts and that that sticks with me yeah. well that was like going up to the firehouse you know my dad was fire chief and at first i was like oh i gotta go back up here again after school but after a while i i wound up loving it um and I think that's why I did six years in the fire service because of it. Uh, but, you know, it's something I loved to wound up loving to do because of the time that we just spent sitting up there and, and learning different things. You know, yeah, at first I st it started out as not something I really wanted to go do. But being dragged up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it turned into something that I loved getting to go do. You know, he'd pick me up at school in, the, in his fire chief's car and then we'd go up to the firehouse you know that was the coolest thing to me that that i got to be picked up in a car with lights and sirens to go sit almost all kids day. love lights and sirens <laughs> <laughs> yeah do. yeah they do 
So. That was Harmony's favorite part, actually. So we took her to the state fair um, when she was real little. And we were there late because my wife actually played a show there. So we did music. Then we watched another band. And we actually were there when the fair, like, closed. So it was, it was probably, like, almost 10, 11 o'clock at night, super late. And, you know, Harmony was in her stroller most of the day. She was okay. But I swear, she lit up at night because all of a sudden all the people are gone. And now all the trucks full of food and sodas and beer and everything come rolling down the lanes. And they're all lit up at night. And she was just pointing at every <laughs> one of them going by. This is the coolest part of the fair. <laughs> food parade. Yep. She's like, Look at that big truck. Look at that big truck. Well, Mike, I had one for you just from your little story you had from your your little one there, but it says children learn more from what you are, more than what they more than what you teach. Absolutely, uh, yeah. you know, we're the example setters, uh, and sometimes we are positive examples, and sometimes we think we're positive examples and we're not. I, I think I've shared before, and maybe last week I talked about probably the most eye-opening thing that happened is my son who's currently living on the streets now um told me i guess he was probably 14 15 years old um out on the step to the going into the shed and i to this day i don't know why he said it but he looked at me just as sincere as can be and said dad you're just a big hypocrite and he was referring to my christian walk and i don't really know what i was doing or what he saw at the time uh but something in my life at that time was not the example he needed to see. And so we have to be real careful about watching our anger, watching the, the comments that we make, how we treat our spouses, how we treat our, our, our children, our, our other children, because we're being watched all the time. It's, I, I, I just know that as a Christian, I've been approached by non-Christians a couple of times referring to my Christian walk fortunately in a positive way but um they're watching and they will remember and they will point out to you real quick and it'll make you upset because i was upset i i I don't know how i reacted i don't remember how i reacted i just know my heart was pierced when he said that Uh, and i had to kind of go back and do some self-examining and self-evaluation to figure out what was i doing as a parent that was setting such a negative example, at least in his eyes, uh, in my life. Uh, and it took me time to go back into the Word uh, and back into prayer because during that time, uh, I was so busy at the church as the deacon and teaching and teaching and teaching and all the committees and so forth. I was so busy working at church, I wasn't working for the Lord, and obviously he saw that. So if you could go back and change one thing, and it doesn't have to be just one, but if you could go back and change something, um, especially since the other four guys here have uh, daughters, um, what would you change raising a daughter or I, your sons? Well, I, it's not a fair question to my daughters because I was very blessed with both my daughters. Uh, my oldest daughter, um, uh, we used to just kind of pick at her because she just literally – slept, ate, and sang because she'd go in her bedroom (laughs) and sing, and she sang at church all the time. Um, She uh, was a good student. Um, One of the things that all three of my children that responded back to me said is that 
we put way too much pressure on them for their grades. That's the one element that they remember. My oldest one, it just came natural to them. The other, the other two underneath there, they all graduated high in rankings in their, in their classes. Uh, but we punished them uh, extensively for not getting a good grade, which was wrong, yeah. uh, looking back. Um, and then my other daughter was uh, the one that was killed in the car accident. She was absolutely not a problem. She was as studious as could be. She graduated from high school with an, with an associate's degree. So um, I think that if I could go back in time and, and make any kind of corrections, I'd spend more time talking with my kids from a very early age. I think, Ray, you're on, on target with, with Harmon, just with talking to her and, and having good conversations. And it's never too late to have those conversations because I have those conversations with them now that they're older. But I really wish I could rewind the clock and really get into their heads and say, evaluate me as a dad. Tell me what I need to do. You're not always going to agree with my choices. You're not always going to agree with the discipline. You're always going to know that I do it in love, and that's one of the things that all three of them did indicate, that they knew that I did it out of love. But I really wish I got to know my kids better and not just simply knew they were my kids. You know, I've said this before, too, and <clears throat> this is, here, here's something that we kind of recently changed, and it kind of hits on what you like what you said. is <clears throat> It's almost to the point where we almost lower our expectations a little bit. You know, like you said, that you know the, these kids have to get straight A's and they got to do this, and we punish them for not getting this. And I, I've told you this, Jed, and this is what we've kind of done a little bit different is we kind of set our kids on pedestals, mm-hmm. and when they mess up, man, we're there. I mean, we're like, why are you messing up and why are you doing this? Well, we're kind of changing a little bit on lowering that expectation a little bit, and I've heard this many times and many many parents have said that is you know what are the things that you would have changed and it's almost to that aspect of i would have lowered my expectations a little bit you know they're not they're not going to be perfect and and this kind of goes into my little pet peeve and i if i I don't want to change the subject but it is about kids sometimes we let kids dictate how we parent some, you know, and that's one of my pet peeves right Explain now. Explain that. <clears throat> because we're letting the kids make choices where we still need to be the parent. And, and it's almost to a point where they're almost doing whatever they want to do. And for instance, I, we have we have some. some some of that situation is going on a little bit. And we got to set the ground rules and saying, you know, I'm going to be your parent. I am the parent. I am going to make the rules. And we, we talk about the love. We talk about the relationship. We talk about all the stuff that we have been talking about. Very important things. But I think one of the other important things is that we still have to be the parent. We still have to be in charge. We still have to set those ground rules. And I think the kids can't dictate what they think is right, what they think that 
that we need to do is be better parents. And I'm trying to get to the point, but it, I can't get it all out. But it, it's almost to the point where parents are almost sometimes giving up and allowing them to just say, okay, that's okay. Yep. Not lowering the expectation so much that they're going to be on the bad, on the bad road. Yeah. But lowering them enough to say, Hey, I know that you make mistakes. I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to fail at things. Um, but not letting them dictate what they're going to, I guess, parent, you know, trying to parent us, I, you know, I, well, I've heard that and I almost fell into this too. And, you know, cause my wife and I were in the kind of the new age movement and there's a lot of push there in, in new age, new thinking, new schooling to be like, okay, what do you think your punishment yes. should be? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Do you, what do you, what would you, what would be good for you? And I'm not, and that might actually work for some kids. Some right. kids might be self-actualized enough to be like, well, this is what I deserve. But I flipped in my wife right away. was like, we're not doing that. Don't do that. That's <laughs> dumb. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> she calls it like it is. But one of the things that I've done and I've been for right or wrong, but a lot of times, you know, we're, I've punished my daughter and she'll be all pouty and sad or crying or whatever. And, and then I'll just ask her, I say, do you think that I punished you too much? Do you, do you think you don't deserve what you just got? And to a T she's always like, yeah, <laughs> like I deserve it. I know I'm right. Yeah. I don't get that cookie cause I did this or I don't get to play video games for a week cause I did that. And, and just giving her that gut check after I've punished her to be like, do you think that was too mm-hmm. far? Do you think that was too much? Do you think you deserve these things back? And she's, and whether she actually believes it or not, she's just saying it because she thinks I want to hear it. She does think about it for a minute. She goes, oh, yeah, you're right. I did mess up. Yeah. yeah. She's I like, deserve. I made a mistake. I do deserve to have a punishment, and this is what it is. Yeah. And I see that, Mike, your, your, your wheels are turning there. What? Yeah. Um, one of the things that um, Ray just mentioned is that sometimes we – assign a, a, a discipline, a punishment, uh, and it's so short-term, uh, and for them, it doesn't it really affect them. It's just, uh, this too shall pass and I'll go. It has to be, as Ray said, earned back. It needs to be applied. It needs to hurt mm-hmm. to a point where, um, but probably all of us have played a game with somebody who, Change the rules in the middle of the game, and you, and you get frustrated because they're like, "Wait, that wasn't the rule." Yeah, why it hates that? <laughs> why it hates yeah. it? I say we all have kids. They and did so, that when they were little. Every so time. I want, I want you to think about for a moment our children, because sometimes we as parents change the rules in the middle of the game, mm-hmm. and and we need to be if we're going to apply consistency in our home, we need to have clear choices clear consequences for those choices and pure application of the, if, if those, if they have to suffer the consequences and it may be something like you've got daughters that are driving Mm -hmm. and it may be that, all right, you're going to, because you were supposed to be home at 11 o'clock and I'm going to give you a 15 minute fudge time. But after that, for every minute, here's the consequence. You're going to lose your driving privileges for a week. But I got a job. Hey, if I only had one means of transportation and it broke down and I had to go to work, I'd figure out a way to go. Mm-hmm. So if it causes you to get an Uber, if it causes you to, to 
have somebody come pick you up, that's the consequence. You mm -hmm. need to earn that back, but we need to make sure that those rules are fully in place beforehand. Oftentimes, we come up with these creative disciplines for our children after the fact, and we usually do it out of an emotion. We, we play defense. Yeah. We wind up playing defense. And so are you saying that fudge time's like my time, like 1045 instead, <laughs> not 1145? Not <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and, and, and again, that consistency that, that they know that there is yeah. no, there's no backing off of it. If, if it's a week, it's not, it's not six days. It is. It's a week. Oh, they know. Yeah. 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 They know. Yeah. They, they know they're, they don't call my bluff. I'm not bluffing. If I say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. And I make sure it does happen. You know, if I tell you to, you know, <laughs> if I can tell you to do something, and if you don't do that certain thing, here's the consequences, and they don't do it, it's going to be consistent. And my, my consequences are going to be consistent throughout both, mm -hmm. both, both kids, and they both know that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and sometimes... As us as parents, too, I mean, we show this level, we show this care, we, we, and we talk, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, and, you know, I've talked to Jed with you this multiple times. We try to get our kids things that we've never had as kids, right? Right. And that has been something that I have been working on a lot, um, because, that's what we wanted to do was provide for them for the things that we'd never had the opportunities or the itemized things or, or stuff like that. We didn't really show them that, you know, life is going to be hard, you know, and here, here, here's a quote that John Roberts said, which is the chief of justice. And this nails it on the head, I think, because, as sometimes as parents, we want to cuddle them, we want to hold them, we want we, we want to protect them. They want they, we need them to be safe. We don't want to hurt their feelings. They, we don't want their feelings to get hurt. We don't want them to feel loneliness. We don't want to feel this right. But with this quote, I when I when I when I when I heard this and I and I read it and I'm like, you know what? This is so true. This is sometimes I think I I want to do you know with our kids and because he he wrote this. For a middle age or, or his middle or junior high graduation for his kids or junior high graduation, he wrote this. And he says, from time to time in years to come, I hope you will be treated unfairly so that you will come to know the value of justice. I hope that you will suffer betrayal because that will teach you the importance of loyalty. Sorry to say, but I hope you will be lonely from time to time so that you don't take friends for granted. I wish you bad luck again from time to time so that you will be uh, conscious of the role of the chance in life and understand that your success is not completely deserved and that the failure of, uh, the failure, failure of others is not completely deserved either. And when you lose, and you will from time to time, I hope every now and then your opponent will gloat over your failure. It is a way for you to understand the importance of sportsmanship. I hope you'll be ignored so that you know the importance of listening to others. And I hope that you will have just enough pain <clears throat> to learn compassion. And whether I wish these things or not, they're going to happen. And whether you benefit from them or not, 
will depend on your ability to see the message in your misfortunes. When I, when I looked over that, I think almost it's like teaching, and that was a question for you, Mike, that I had for you is, you know, have you ever ta your, taught your child tough love? Oh, absolutely. And I think sometimes that this applies to them too because this is what the world is going to be about. And as, as us as parents, we got to teach them this is the world. It is a cruel world. And, and sometimes we have to not just hold on to them so much and protect them and say, well, I don't want you your feelings to get hurt. I don't want you to feel loneliness. I don't want you to feel all this. But I think sometimes we're, we're taking that away from them because as, as us as growing up and when we did, we felt some of those things. And I, when we still do as adults, we still feel maybe that loneliness or, you know, or somebody beats you on something and they, you know, are throwing it in your face. How do we learn from those? And, and I think this is a time that we teach our kids these things. Um, it's going to just help them more in this world. And we know how cruel this world is. Well, me and Haley had a talk the other day, and I don't know exactly what come up, why it come up, but I told Haley, I said, you're at the age that, yes, you're going to be able to make your own decisions. And I said, I want you to make your own decisions now because I want you to deal with the consequences of your decision. I said, I'm your parent. I'll be your parent until the day I'm gone. And I said, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to say, that wasn't right, or I'm going to try to straighten it out. But I said, I don't want to make that decision for you. A uh, good friend of mine, Richard Nevels, lives down the road from me. His grandkids, I love the way he handles his grandkids. They're, he's got bukus of them, but the ones I've been around are four to eight, 12 years old. Anytime they're around, Papa, can I go do this? You can do anything you want. Just re realize that there's a consequence for what you do. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, yeah. So they learn. That's been my saying for years. Yeah, you can do anything once as long as you're willing to suffer the consequences. And but Derek, I think that you're right that because we have this mindset that, um, well, we didn't have, so we need to provide for our kids. Mm -hmm. We have inadvertently, if you will, created um, entitled children. Yes, yes, we have, and we in the school system we see that all the time. That that it gets to the point well. Well, I'm supposed to have that. I, I need that because someone else, you haven't earned it. You haven't done anything to do it. Right. I, I just know that for my children, we helped them pay for their first car. Once they had their car, they took control of everything. They paid their, oh, oh, I didn't pay half their insurance. They paid their insurance. They paid their gas. They paid their repairs. If they broke down in the road and they needed to tow, they paid the tow. We didn't take care of the bill for them. Oh, that's mean. You know, you just not take care of your kids. No, you just have to understand that this is real world and you're going to be out there and you need to prepare. So you got a job. You need to make sure you're setting money aside. So when you break down, you got money to take care of that. Mm -hmm. Or I could just simply go help them out again and help them out again. And then every time they get into a problem, what are they expecting? Mm -hmm. Help them out. Help out. And if you don't, you're the mean, nasty parent that doesn't love them. <laughs> and you really do love them by teaching them you are responsible for your own choices, your actions, 
And we, we, we're supposed to do that as parents, to build that character in them to be able to, to make those kinds of choices. Yeah, they got to have the skin in the game. Right. You know, and it's funny because my buddy Andy called me too because his, his son is driving now and they got him a car and this. And he asked me what, what I did for Autumn or what, you know, what's her skin in the game. And, you know, he talked to my other buddy Chris and trying to get opinions and, you know, on, on how to have them be responsible and what is their skin in the game on that, you know. And, and, and ours is, you know, and I, she's, she's worked at the ranch. She's she doesn't have to prove to me that she's a hard worker. I mean, I know she works hard and she works hard all the time. But I told Andy, I told him, I says, our number one goal was for her driving was her grades. I says, your job right now is that you get in school. That's your job. Um, you know, and, you know, we'll pay for certain things because that's your payment of you doing that job at school. Um and so, you know, it was a little different. You know, he got a different opinion from Chris. And, you know, that, that you know, some people paid half or, you know, his, his kids paid half. And what he did was, you know, you owe this much money and Chris would put all this money away. And then when they graduated and says, here you go, here's money to start off with because, you know, now you have skin in the game. And, and sometimes we have to do that because we are, we, we are producing entitlement. And that's how I felt. I'm like, our kids are spoiled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. And they are. And, and that's the thing that we have to, we have to stop as parents and, and realize this world is going to be tough. And we grew up in this world and we're still in this world. And I listened to a podcast on the No Sanity Required Brody Holloway. Then here's his little quote. And it was so funny. I told Autumn this before we came here too. I says, uh, you know, it's almost we don't want our, our kids to, to do tough things. And he says, I'm not going to, uh, to take all the uh, weights out of the gym because that's the whole purpose of a gym are the weights hard work, yeah. right? Yeah. You go to the gym to work out because that's hard work. And for our kids, sometimes what we're doing is we're taking those weights away from them and going, it's okay. I I'm going to, I'm going to lift these weights for you. Mm -hmm. you, we, we can't do that. You go back just a few generations ago, and by the time you were 16, 17, 18, you're like, I am leaving to start my own thing because I'm an adult now. It wasn't a help me, mom, help me, dad. It was, a, I'm going out. And yet, maybe it was going to college for that. Was, but again, go a couple generations beyond that. That wasn't really in the plans. I mean, it was, you were chomping at the bit to create your own thing to create your own success mm -hmm. and you and i'm not saying that about any of our kids per se but I think that's a society issue right now is that it's it is trying to provide for them so much they are then entitled and they're like okay what are you going to help me do now like how how are you going to help me afford to go to school how are you going to help me afford to buy a house after i do that and how are you going to help me this and that and and it's, it's, again, I'm not blaming any one thing in particular. It's, I think it's a cyclical thing that happens with societies as, as we get more affluent, as we get more things, as we have more wealth, we are able to do these things, but it, there's, there's a downside to it too. Well, there is. And, and, and I, when we, we remind our kids all the time that, you know, when we first got married and oh, I think everyone on this, around this table can feel the same way is that we're broke. Like when we first got married, and that's what we said. We I said we went to the dollar store all the time. We had the dollar menu at McDonald's. 
we were broke. And I said, our first cars as being married, they were donated to us because it went through like two generations. And then we got the leftover car and they gave it to us for free because now it had 200,000 miles on it. And we had to put transmissions in like every car that we got. But we, and the reason why we're at the, the spot that we're at right now is because we worked hard and we got to where we wanted to be in life. And we've almost taken that away from our kids. That's right. Is they don't realize, because a lot of people do that, is they only see you now. They don't see what you've gone through or who you were or what took you to this place to where you're at now. They just see as you as now in this moment. And that's what the kids do, too, because when when we were doing that and hustling and working hard, they were small and babies. They didn't get to see that. And now they see this life going, well, mom and dad make good money and they got a you know nice house and they got this. Well, these kids are in the, the microwave generation where they want things now where your generation, Mike, and the end of our I think we've kind of fallen that generation is that crockpot generation. It takes time and hard work to get where we're at now. And as us as parents, as we're taking that hard work and that, we're taking that away from them because we're going, here you go, here you go, here are the things that I never had. And we're spoiling them so much that we're taking that away from them. Well, that was like we owned an ambulance company and uh, it floors people when I tell people I started working for the ambulance company at 16. Because that's unheard of. Like, you have to be 18 to work on the ambulance, right? Well, because daddy. I'm just that, the, but, the, but that was, yeah, because we owned it. Um, he's entitled. But, uh, he's got a master's. <laughs> um, but that was how I paid for, like, my first truck. Right. Like, dad right. bought me my first truck. But I went and worked. Right. Every day after school. Yearned. After practice. Washing five ambulances, making sure they were all stocked, cleaning the crew quarters, you know, every day until I was 18 to then I could finally start working on the ambulance. But mm-hmm. I mean, that was it. That was how, you know, like, yeah, I had a, I had a pretty decent truck for a, a teenager, mm-hmm. but I busted my tail right. to get it. Yeah. 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 I started when I was 14, just doing anything hauling I could. cattle at 14 i was hauling <laughs> cattle at 14 that's true <laughs> hauling cattle and i was trading cattle and probably by the time i was 17 i probably had over 150 head of cows <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah and, and i was lucky enough to have parents that had land that didn't have cattle at the time <laughs> so yeah. it worked. But, but i mean and, and when we're talking about all of this right now and you know and I, and I appreciate you mike coming in and doing this and and giving us some of this wisdom that we look at this right now and we see hard work yeah. for us as parents. Oh yes, it's a it's a different different time. Because we're, we're I mean we're talking about, you know, the love, we're talking about building a relationship, we're we're talking about spending time with our kids, showing our kids tough love. And and, and you and we have papers here and list of things that we need to do as parents and going what's the right way? But really after talking to you, Mike, and all of this stuff is, is it's work and we got to work at it as parents. Trial and error. Yep. It's a, it's a 24 seven all the time and there's no right answers and and there's no uh, secret formula for one child that fits all, Uh, you know, every child's different. Every single child's got a different personality. Um, society's different, you know, uh, 
we didn't have the the kind of fear when our children went someplace for safety purposes our environment was safer back then mm -hmm. so you all have to deal with not only allowing your children some freedom uh to to go out but then you also have to have the concerns about the choices they make with the environment that, that they're currently living in which makes it even that much more difficult uh and so but you do have to you do have to one of the quick when do you let go when yeah do, when, when do you let go when do you go the, yeah. the, there's a point in time where um they have developed over the course of their time a trust hopefully and and if they haven't violated that trust and i know that in some cases we've got some situations even in this room where we've had some that have violated the mm -hmm. trust and once you violate that trust it takes forever to to rebuild it and it's a hard thing to do and um but they have to understand they are responsible for restoring the trust that mm -hmm. it's not your responsibility they have to do they have to make the choices and they have to understand the consequences for their choices because they lost that trust but once if they've got it you know you said your children are pretty good kids and you're pretty well trustworthy i know my oldest one timothy when he graduated from high school um, we gave him permission to uh, go out, and he didn't have to be back until 3 o'clock. That was his curfew for graduation night. Um, he went to a, a party at the lake, having a good time. Uh, some kids brought some beer. He didn't feel comfortable. He left. He went to a house that was having a graduation party, hung around there for a while. Somebody brought beer. He ended up coming home at 1045. He's on Everywhere I went, they were drinking beer, Dad. I didn't want to be around it. I was so proud of him that, that mm -hmm. time, for him to make those kind of choices, to know that we established that criteria. I had trust that when he said he was going to go someplace, he went someplace. When my daughter said she was going to go someplace. But in today's society, you got to provide that opportunity for them. But again, as I said earlier, there has to be those consequences. You mm -hmm. have... I've established a rule. This is it. I'm trusting you. If you can follow that and fulfill that trust, we're going to have a great relationship. If you mess it up, we're going to have issues. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to slide this in real okay. quick. Slide it in. Because this, I didn't know where this was going to fit in. It's perfect <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> it's not what you do for your children, but what you have taught them to do for themselves that will make them successful human beings. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, because even like our like I think me and Jed are in the same boat right now. Our daughters right now in four months, they're out of high school. Yeah. They're on their own. I mean, really, I mean they got these these goals and these dreams and these ambitions. Mm -hmm. And right now we've been slowly letting her make her own decisions, like yes. you said, right? Yep. You know, even to the point where we could talk about church, you know, on Wednesday night. Hey, I want to go to a youth group with my friends. Okay let me see what kind of church you're, you're, you know, what you're picking or what you're, why, why, you know, why do you want to go there? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I said, I'll, I'll let you make that decision. You know, you want to go try that? Go ahead. You know, and it's just little stuff here and there, just like just little simple decisions, little simple decisions. And you just got to let them. Right. To and like right now, right. This, this weekend, she's house sitting. She's never spent the <laughs> night on house sitting and it's for less or uh, Natanya's sister. Okay. And so, you know, there's a horse and a donkey and, you know, a dog <laughs> and all that stuff to take care of. But through this entire time of having her, 
she has never actually stayed at somebody's house to house sit it. She's gone there to take care of stuff and mm-hmm. just come back home. And we did the same thing. Here are the rules, right? This is not our house. There is no friends over. There is no nothing, you know. And, and you know, we got to set those ground rules. But we, at the same point, we're kind of letting go a little bit. Absolutely. And letting them see <laughs> what kind of decisions they're going to make as of right now because we're still here, yeah. right here. Right you know, here. we can still <laughs> boom, boom, boom. But in four months, they're going to be making their own decisions, being in college, being, you know, like your daughter's going to Iowa, my yeah. daughter's going to Iowa for the summer, on a, a, you know, being an assistant horse wrangler at a church camp and going to the university. And, you know, it's like here's a time that, you know, like you did, you set all these examples and all of these things that you did for your kids and now you get to see if you made that impact in their lives. Yep. And I, I think if you can get her, get them to the point where they know where they know that you know they are going to fail. Oh yeah. And then to the the best thing to do and again I try to impress this upon my daughter all the time when she makes a mistake, I says, you know, what did you learn mm-hmm. from that? And and come to me. Come talk to me. I will help you. I may also include some chastisement with that help, <laughs> but I will always be there to help you, you know? And, and I don't know if your parents said the same things mine did, but I remember when I was a teenager, you know, one of the things my mom always said, she says, you know, I know you're going to go out, you're going to do dumb things. So I still a longer, longer go for me. And you might think too, but, um, <laughs> they, you know, she says, if you're ever in trouble, call me. She's like, I, you know, I might be upset with you, but I'm never going to not come and help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to not come to, to be there for you. And you know what I was going to mention earlier that, uh, just we were, cause we were talking about how it's so different for our kids now than it was for us. I'm like, do you think any of our kids know what a garden hose tastes like? Right. Cause I say that and you know, you exactly know what garden hose water tastes like the water out of the garden hose or the garden hose itself. Isn't it the same? What's the difference? (laughs) It's it's really good. Yeah. (laughs) It's good on a hot summer day. I would bet if, if for sure, I don't know, Daniel, if your parents did this, but for the rest of us, I'm sure there was the go outside. Don't come home till the sun goes comes goes it down. Was, or the street lights. Yeah, was, or till the street right, lights no, come on. Was, I'm gonna lock the door. Don't come no, back. That's, ex- yeah. that's exactly what my mom was. Yeah, like in this on the summer or the weekends, eight a.m. You're out the door. Door's locked. Oh, it's lunchtime. Here, I'll open the window. Here's your PB and J. There's the water. See <laughs> yeah. you later. Leave me alone. Like that, I mean, that was it. I mean, yeah. So yeah, no, I grew I grew up that way. Don't worry. You're good. Yeah, yeah. that's good. But kids nowadays that they can't. You no, they can't, can't do that. You probably get your kids oh. taken away but if we you did that. Well, yeah, <laughs> they don't want them to get hurt. They don't want them to you know feel failure. They don't want them to feel all this stuff. Yeah. And that's how we're learning this through failure, and we still do as adults. So yeah. I have a question for all of you that are raising children right now. Oh, that's not me. You can respond. Please, please step outside the room. This is for- <laughs> How do you respond to your children when they say, you're making me go to church, and when I get older and I get out of this house, I'm done because you keep making me go to church? Harmony loves church, so I'll bow out of this one. Well, you know what? And that was a reverse question because I had that on the list. I was going to ask you here, Mike, was, you know, so I asked Why, it first. Yeah, because <laughs> because it is a fine line too. Because we you know that's how I grew up. Was it was Sunday morning? It was Sunday night. It was Wednesday night. It was church camp. It was Awanas. It was so much church um, that I guess it really changed for me is when I became an adult. Really, not just coming out of the house. I still you know because 
right out of high school, I worked a pipeline. And so I, I was always working. And then we finished a job in Arizona, and then we were off to Vegas. I was on my own right out of high school working the pipeline. And so there was no church there, but I actually went to a couple of churches there and just to try to meet people, you know, and cause I was like, I want to meet good people. And that, that's what I grew up in was church. And I kind of want to went away from it for a little bit at a short time of my life and then came back to it. And right now for our kids as Hmm, let me let me see if I can put this the right way. Because we get into arguments sometime about Sunday morning. About, yeah, hey, you know, we're going to Sunday school. But, you know, and they're, oh, I'm tired. I want to sleep in. Why can't we just ever have a break? But my dad growing up was, I don't care about your excuses. You're going to church. Where is that fine line? that where we're pushing our kids so much in the church that we're pushing them away because there could, you know, I've heard a couple of stories of some people, some folks that, that were deacons and that were a lot of things in church and leadership in church. And now their kids are growing and now they're wishing that they can get their kids back in the church. So, I, it's a great question. That's why I wanted to ask you, Mike, but I know you reversed it on me. And I'm trying to find that fine line where I want to show you the importance of church. I want to show you the importance of Jesus. But I don't want to show it in so much that I'm pushing them away from it. Because so, sometimes, well, Daniel, because sometimes even as an adult, yeah, I feel the same way. And I'm going to be very honest with you. You know, sometimes I'm like, how much church do I need? I mean, we're doing Wednesday night. We're doing Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night. Men's, we're doing a podcast where, you know, am I getting burnt out? No, but I'm just saying, you know, where, where am I, you know, where, where, when is it so much that you're, you're pushing away? And maybe you guys can help me on that. So Cause that was my question to Mike and he reversed it. When God tells you it's too much. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So I, I, I preached a sermon one time, um, and, and I started it with, don't raise your children in church. And that kind of got some puzzles. Um, because you're right, Derek, we push church so much. Mm-hmm, and, and I think of, like me and my siblings, and I'm the, as far as I can think of, I'm the only one that goes to church still. And so I started with don't raise your kids in church and paused to let it sink in. I said, raise them in Christ. Mm -hmm. Raise your kids to understand the relationship with Jesus over the relationship with a building church like what we go to. Because here's the thing is the church is not just coming up here, right? The church is the body of believers, and so it's not necessarily that we have to push them to every function that we have at church, whether that's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, once a month fellowship, Saturday morning breakfast, you know. And that's where I think that we we cause our kids, because I see the shift in youth groups as is, is I see about 
17, 18 year olds, junior, seniors in high school leave from the church for a little bit. And even right after graduation, because they've been pushed mm-hmm. in drugs so much that we raise them in church and we forgot to show them what a relationship oh, you know with that. Jesus looks like. That's it. I, that's what I you know, kind of think too is now when I sit back to and look, when I go to church so much, is that because I want to? It's not because I'm forced to go here Sunday morning or Sunday night yeah. or do all this because it's because I want to. And it's that building that relationship with Jesus. And now, you, I mean, you nailed it. I, I really think that's one of the answers to that question is when our children build that relationship with Jesus, they're not, we're not forcing them to go to church. They're going, hey, Dad, I want to go to church. You know, that's how Wyatt is right now because Wyatt's. But right there is, that is one of the biggest is God gave us a choice. Yeah. So they have to make a choice too. We can't make the choice for them. So that's one of the biggest answers right there too, is they have to choose to be here. They have to choose that relationship. We don't get to determine because in the Bible we we have a job to teach them the ways. Yes. But if they don't accept it, we done our job. Doesn't mean we have to quit our job, but we done our job. So it can't be held up against us for trying to do what we're supposed to do, and they choose not to do it. Well, it's funny. I have a Bible verse that goes right with this, Deuteronomy 5.29. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear and keep my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Right? That's all God hopes. you know. And, <laughs> and if we could just work that out, and I have it now. Harmony loves church, as I said. She, she was so bummed when she was sick for two weeks and couldn't come. And every time, can I go this Wednesday? I'm going to be able to go this Sunday. You know, she, she reminds me, so this is fifth, fifth Sunday, Dad. There's going to be fifth Sunday fellowship after church. She's so excited She's about it. She's a Baptist. She is so excited about it. But, and, and I am glad it's that way. I don't know if it'll always be that way. I hope that it will. And it's something that is different for me now because I'm, I'm the same way, Derek. I come because I love to be here. Right. I love to be here with the with the body of Christ, with the people that are here. And and I think that's something that everyone, if someone's listening and you're like, oh, I don't enjoy going to church, maybe it's, maybe you got to find a different church because it's, right. it's not the right. building. Yeah. It's yeah. not necessarily the pastor. It's the, people. it's the people. If you find a church with good people that treat you like family that you that's can friends. connect with, then you're going to enjoy being there. And then again, that's why Harmony likes coming too, because she has f- friends here. She has friends here that are good friends, better than she gets in other places, because she's got friends in some of the other things we do too. But they don't, I've, I've noticed the interactions. They don't treat her the same. They don't talk to her the same. There's just something different between good, godly raised children and how they treat each other and interact with each other than the children in the world who mm-hmm. treat each other. Let me ask you all this question. And this is for all five of y'all and then listeners at home if you want to ponder this. Do your kids or did your kids see an importance of your relationship with Jesus over your busyness at the church? I'm working on that. Actually, because like I said, two was it two podcasts ago, maybe last podcast. I'm trying to make sure Harmony sees me reading the Bible more. She sees me doing the stuff for Sunday night men's ministry and what I need to you know read. I'm not doing that when I'm not you know at night when she's sleeping or before she gets up. 
she sees me doing it. And I tell her, oh, I got to go read my Bible. I got to work on the, the, the questions and I got to work on the class stuff that I'm going to do. But the other step to it is I'm trying to include her some more in that too. If I'm just going to be reading the Bible to study and get ready for class, well then why don't I read it with her? Why don't I talk to her about the questions I'm trying to answer and I'm going through and, and, um, you probably get better answers than what we give you. <laughs> <laughs> she does give good answers. Yeah, she, does. <laughs> she does. She really does. So it's it's something I'm recently trying to get more her more involved in what in my Bible study too. It can be and it should be a family time. And it, you know, you go again, I could always say, you go back a hundred years and and that was a, there was a there wasn't just the Bible on the coffee table because it was there. It was there because you actually sat down and everybody read it for a while. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, you're gonna read a chapter, you're gonna read this section, and then mom's gonna read the next section, and I'm gonna read the next section. And uh, that's missing, unfortunately. It's just something we don't we don't get to do. But I'm trying to bring some of it back. But man, the world fights you constantly. So Autumn had an interview for that Bible camp from the director you know whoever it was and she told me how the interview went and one of the questions to her was how is your family how is your relationship with your parents and she answered to him and, and and told me the answer and she goes you know i couldn't hope for better parents and my dad is always trying to do the right thing. Um, and so maybe, you know, that relationship that I have, I don't show as much as the Bible reading that I should. And that's probably maybe part of, you know, my failure. But she can see my morals that I have. And the way I stand on things is that it is, you know, based on Christ and doing the right things and helping people and always trying to help other people and, and put their needs before my needs. And so when she said that to him, I was like, huh, maybe that's what you're seeing in me. And that's what my foundation on Christ is doing for me is, it's trying to do the right things all the time and helping people. So not per se that she sees me read the Bible every day or sees me do those things, but now she can witness the actions that I'm taking. She sees the, the fruit yep. that's being produced. Right. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Repeat the question. <laughs> <laughs> the, the reason why I asked the question is because when, when I look at when I look at those responses or those comments from our children that they, you know, you're going to drive me away from church. We sometimes think about those in, from ter- in terms of when a teenager says that. What if your seven-year-old says that? I don't want to go to church. Does, does the rules change at that point? And, I, and if you think about it, those rules will change because you'll say, well, a seven-year-old, no, you're going to church. Now you're 16 years old. You don't go. You're not. You don't have to go to church. Or we're going to let you make your choices. And the way I look at it from Scripture is to tell my children, "You are my gift that God gave me, and He gave me a command to train you up. And I'm going to do that to the very best of my ability by 
setting the standards in my home, in my character, in my moral values, how I conduct myself. And you're not going to forsake the assembly while you're in my home. Now, when you get out of my home and you choose to go out and not go to church, you are not going to guilt me into feeling bad because you don't go to church. I'm not going to force my faith on you, but I am going to do what God commanded me to do. And that is to train you up in the way that he used to be that you're in the training and the admonition of the Lord. You're not going to like it. It's one of those tough love things. You're not going to like it. You're going to, you're going to bow up. You're going to get upset. You're going to come to church with an attitude. I'm sorry about that. Most of the time when your kids come to church with an attitude and they get around the other kids, they're okay. Yeah, it's all gone. <laughs> it's just a matter. It's just a matter. And so I don't, I don't, I don't buy the the argument to well I'm going to let them choose and make and give them a warm and fuzzy. That's one of those, to me, that's a non-negotiable event in my house. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like um, my son who is living with his girlfriend and had a child. They came to visit on the way to Florida, and when they were in my house, they slept in different bedrooms. Dad, we've got a kid. I don't care. In my house, my standard is you're not sleeping together. He was upset. He stayed a couple of days and left. He understood because he knew that was the expectation. He knew that was scriptural. And so there are just certain times, in my opinion, that you just simply say, I'm not going to force you to become a Christian. I'm not going to force you to believe the way I believe. I'm going to try to set that example as you're growing up. But while you're in my house, these are my standards. These are my expectations. These are non-negotiable. And we all, I'm, I'm sure all of us have in our homes some non-negotiables. As a, you can't cross this line. That's mm-hmm. it. And for me, that when church was open, you're going to church. Now, do they have to go to every activity? Do they have to? No, not necessarily. If they don't want to go to a, a Sunday night fellowship or a, a special event or a, a you know, uh, a band coming in or a gospel group coming in, they don't, that's fine if they're old enough to stay at home and we find a sitter. But they're not supposed to forsake the assembly of, of Christians and they're coming to church. And it, I, I've had to deal with that with all of my children. I've heard it from my children. You made us go, I'm not going. Some of my children go to church, some of them don't. But that's not on me. That is not my responsibility. That's their choice. And I'm not going to take the blame or not feel guilty because they made that choice. They have the foundation. They know what they're supposed to do. They have to make the choice, just like all of us have to do when we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. It has to be an individual choice. So mm-hmm. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> I mean, it's based on Scripture. I mean, that's yeah. uh, and you're right. That's our commandment. That's what we need to do for our, our kids. I think uh, Randy and Mike shared notes again. <laughs> no, I was just going to share a little story here because a couple of weeks ago during the wrestling match, my I can't remember. She may have been upset. I don't know. But this quote here, I told her, I said, I'm going to bring this up in the podcast called Haley's Quote here. But uh, the quote says, the way, you talk to, the way you talk to our children becomes the inner voice. And Haley's story was is, I was out there wrestling, Dad, and I was going to do this, but your your voice was in my head to tell me not to do that. 
And I said, well, what did I say? Because I don't remember saying it. <laughs> she said, I didn't do it, and look what happened. I won, you know. And I was like, well, I, but we had that conversation a while ago, too. It's it, I, it's one of those deals. She's like, I, I, don't, I can't do anything now without having your voice in my head telling me that's wrong, that's right, that's a good idea, that's not bad, you know. And I'm like, I wish you'd share some of this with me because I don't know which direction we're going. But, you know, it's it's awesome to hear her tell me that. You're doing your job. Well, sometimes. <laughs> but I think we all touched on it at some point that we are involved in our children, that they know. They're watching. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it might be a test for you right now to see how, how firm you're going to stand in – if she comes back at you, I'm not going to church or mm-hmm. not this or not that. That's what I'm saying. They're going to test us at some point. And they know what the answer is going to be. They just want to know if you're going to do it or not. Mm-hmm. So I, I I have all I, – I don't have any doubt right here that I'm going to go through all that. But she's going to have my voice in her head now that I know that's there. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, I mean, what was your question? <laughs> I was going off his. <laughs> I was going off his while ago. Yeah, blame me, huh? Yeah, yeah. Blame Mike. Um, Baby, you don't even. No, yeah, you don't even remember now. No, no, I, I do. Because um, it have was because it was off of that. Uh, don't raise your kids in church. Raise them in Christ. And and so yeah. the question was, do your kids see um, your relationship with Christ is more important than your? Um, relationship with with church i think with yeah. church yeah, with church something like yeah and, and and i i and i ask that not to make anybody feel guilty about their <laughs> oh here comes my typical baptist pastor <laughs> yeah. over here make you feel guilty pose a question um no i didn't ask that to make you feel guilty over uh, whether or not your kids see you in the bible reading whatever I I asked that because I thought back, and I remember being at church every time the doors were open, because I was a deacon's kid. We were there every time. Every night of revival, we were there. Every Sunday night, we were there. Every Sunday morning, we were there. Every Wednesday night, we were there. Every Bible quiz, we participate. you know, and so we were there. I was there. I probably... Every visitation, I was there. I was probably at church this same amount of time I was at school. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, that's just, but I never saw my parents in their relationship with Jesus. I never saw them read the Bible. I never saw them pray. I saw my dad prepare for Sunday school or Bible study, but I never saw him develop his own relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that question came from because I was like, I don't want to be that way, you know. But, but my answer to that, uh, I guess I could say, I don't think I've reached that point yet because Mike will attest to this: those girls would be coming to church way back when by themselves, and when I started coming, it was because I had to be. Mike guilt me into it, you know. <laughs> Randy <laughs> but, had to be dragged. That. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Over over time, I mean, those girls get tired of hearing me now. I get to go see my friends. Let's go to church, boys. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I think my attitude's changed from back then to now 
that I don't have an argument if I say we're going to church or I'm, even tonight. I mean, the only argument I have is Hannah's like, I only got to see you for 10 minutes. Well, you'll see me all weekend. I'll be right back. I promise. Well, I'm going to wait up for you. No, you won't. We all know we're going to stay here and talk. <laughs> but it, it, at the end of the day, I don't have that argument yet. And I can't truly answer that question because I think most of the time, if we're not wrestling, if we're not doing something with the kids, we're here anyway. And I, we've, we've never had an issue of, with any kids saying, I don't want to go tonight. But you also know my daughter, too. If she's not here, there's probably a good reason why. There's a valid reason. Yeah. yeah. So I think she enjoys thoroughly coming up here, doing all the stuff she can possibly do. Hannah, see your to see your daughter or, mm-hmm. you know, pick on Wyatt or whatever, or Kobe. <laughs> I mean, I think she lives for that. I don't know. But I, to honestly answer that question, I haven't, I haven't made it there yet. But. Daniel, I think I, that I, I see myself reversed around because I I want to be here now. Back then, it was like, God, Mike, leave me alone. <laughs> I, I think I think you know, looking back, I I mentioned earlier about Philip called me a hypocrite, and I think maybe um, you touched on a point that may very well have been because I was so busy in the church and doing so much stuff in the church that I just probably wasn't representing Christ in my day-to-day walk I was I didn't cuss I didn't smoke I didn't drink I didn't all those things that that you just didn't do but he probably didn't see where I was getting any kind of growth because I was just like your dad preparing for Sunday school visiting I didn't bring all my kids all those things but they if if it was a worship service they went to church Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night um and until they were about 12 or 13, they wanted to go to church. It was something they looked forward to. It was same period. At, at 14 and older is when they started getting that, uh, I don't really want to go. Uh, you know, they get wanted to stay up late. Uh, they tried to plan for to spend the night someplace on Saturday night at a friend's house. Uh, it, we'll be there do. to pick you up to get you to church. We talking about you ain't got no friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your friend. You know, just like like Daniel did with the lock in. If one of my children had friends over Saturday night, they went to church. That was understood. If they stayed mm-hmm. the night Saturday night, they went to church with us on Sunday, and their parents had to understand that as well. Or they they just have to come get their kids late Saturday night because. That was kind of, but I think maybe, you know, if I look back in reflection, maybe that's why he saw me as a hypocrite, just because although I was active, I was so busy working in church, I wasn't working for the Lord, and he probably saw that. Um, right. Because they'll see through you. Uh, they'll definitely see through you. Because so. I think that's the one thing you got to remember, the priorities. It's God, family. Than the church, right? Because right? this yeah. didn't even exist back when Jesus right. was preaching right. and talking. There was right. no buildings and committees and Wednesday night Bible studies and none of that. It was yeah, podcast. Yeah, and it was mostly <laughs> just your family, and maybe no you got committees. To, yeah, no committees. Maybe you got. <laughs> That's I mean, weird. well, the Pharisees and the Sadducees they had no, committees. I didn't mean there was no <laughs> committees. The Sorry, <laughs> there was committees. Jesus was not happy with them apparently. If you read the book, but. Uh, it, it it was mostly families. It was mostly local communities. It was right. just getting together. Hey, let's yeah. get together. There's even discussions in there about, hey, you know, 
eat your dinner before you come <laughs> or, you know, have the yeah. fellowship together. Yeah, so like that's, that's what it was about. These buildings are something that we created mm -hmm. to add structure to it. Cause we love structure. Oh, we love just putting things in boxes and putting it together and organizing it in timelines. Who is we? Humans as, as <laughs> just humans. We love to do stuff like that. We don't have structure. It all goes down. No, I mean, like some of the best memories I have going to church was meeting in the garage. Or the pastor's house. Because we didn't have a building. We didn't have that. Mm -hmm. We had family, friends. We met together. He preached. We sang in his garage. You know, that's where we lose that sight of, I need to do this, and I have to go here, and we have to do this committee. I got to be on this. And, and and I think Daniel, I mean, I really do. I mean, my personal opinion is that that relationship with Jesus needs to be number one. And you mm -hmm. said that it goes mm -hmm. God and then it goes your family, your family's second, mm -hmm. right? And then comes the church. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we forget that as parents. And sometimes we get so busy with church that right now, like I've said this before, is we say yes to something, we say no to another thing. Mm -hmm. So what are we saying no to sometimes when we get so busy with that? Um, you know, I think, I mean, I, I can't. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's where that's where it needs to be. Is God's number one, family, and then the church. Yeah, and I think I think I want to say that that's probably where we should leave it for tonight, gentlemen. Because you might not be aware of this, but we've already been doing this for two hours. Ooh. We should probably oh, wow. put a pin in it. <laughs> so I'll say my I'll say my last quote here, and then you guys can be. There's no such thing as a perfect parent, so just be a real one. Mm. That's a one to end it on. Right that's there. weird. I thought I was perfect. <laughs> In your own eyes. <laughs> You're perfect. I'm way over there. <laughs> From a certain distance. Hey, so we, we hope we answered some questions that you might have had. Um, hope we, we had some wisdom shared um, to you. Thank you, Mike. Um, thank you, Mike. Thank you definitely for, for coming and, and sharing your wisdom with us and with the listeners. Um, Randy, I'm going to ask, since you're back, if you'll close us in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for dying on the cross for sins. Lord. Thank you for showing us the love and the mercy you do. I just want to thank you for this podcast, and hopefully you can reach out to someone in need for it. I just want to ask that you just uh, watch over us and watch over our families and be with us. Uh, heal the sick in your way. And, Lord, I just want to thank you for each one of these guys here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Debriefing a podcast supported by First Baptist Church Hawassi. Please like and subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified when we post new episodes, as well as check out our past episodes. We'll be posting new podcasts every other Thursday. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have questions you'd like us to answer, comments, or feedback on the podcast, please contact us through our social media, or email us at dmeadows at fbchawassi.com. Thank you, and we hope God blesses your day.